Look alive, punk scum. (laughs) That's right, it's me, your favorite nightmare, the dark princess of dissonance, the goth witch you love to hate, me, Maggie Mayhem. (laughs) And bloodsuckers. Yes, and my bloodsuckers. Thank you, Veronica and Jamie. Your darkest wish is ours to fulfill. Well, I thought I would start my show off with a quote from the patron saint of emos everywhere, Gerard Way. No matter what anybody says, don't take anybody's fucking bullshit, because you're better than them, you're faster than them, and goddammit, you're much better looking. So inspirational. It, it almost makes me tear up just thinking about it. I remember the first time that I heard that when I saw MCR in concert. I swear, Gerard was looking right at me when he said it. And it changed me. Well, I've lived my life like that ever since, and I'm obviously better than other people, and have you seen me? I look amazing in black. I'm fucking hot. (laughs) Uh, Welcome to my show. This is Cry, Punks. Cry. But I... You loved me, but I, I know now that you never even saw me, so I will destroy you, because I loved you. For all you punks that tuned in expecting to hear from Iggy, I got some bad news. Iggy left his shit lying around after our little house party, so I figured if he didn't want it, I might as well put it to good use. This radio frequency officially belongs to the emo horde, so put on some eyeliner, fix those bangs, turn out the lights, and light some candles. It's time to wake the dead and kick off our inaugural episode. Uh, Maggie? What, Veronica? Uh, the emos brought their gear. Yes, Jamie. And... They want to know where to put it? Tell them to put it in the garage. Yeah, but... Veronica! I'm kind of in the middle of something. Sorry. You two are in charge. Make sure I remain undisturbed. We live live to please please the the beauty beauty of of the darkness. I swear those two. Maybe I should have at least given them distinct personalities. Well, it's, it's too late now. Probably would have made them a worse backup band anyway. I know around this time in his show, Iggy had his cute little nostalgia thing, but he's been using it to spread some nasty rumors about me, and I wanted the chance to set the record straight with my own segment. These self-righteous punk assholes aren't as hot shit as they think they are, and it's time they got taken down a peg, so let's get into it. This is Thanks for the Memories. First off, Let's address the giant, poorly-tuned guitar in the room. Yes, Iggy and I dated. I mean, he was still going by Reggie back then, back before all the stage names and other bullshit. Feels like a lifetime ago. My name was Josie back then. I had just moved to town. I was an army brat and wasn't used to having friends. (laughs) I barely had any personality at all, to tell you the truth. Unless you count listening to old cassettes of movie soundtracks on a Hello Kitty tape player I'd had since I was ten, as a personality. 
It didn't take long before Reggie, I mean, Iggy, whoever the fuck. Either way, it didn't take long before I fell in with the punk crowd, and they were really the only crowd to tell you the truth, aggressively recruiting any wide-eyed prepubescent sucker that would stand still long enough to listen to them. They were like, like fucking vampires. Anyway, after a few days, they decided I was cool, and they invited me to one of their garage shows. And I'd, I'd never seen anything like it. The energy coming off the band was intoxicating. I felt, I felt drunk off adrenaline. It felt like... Like belonging. I had a scene. There was always a new show, a new band, a new mixtape. Punk was cool like that. It came fast, it came hard. No production value, just raw, undiluted power. And we were all a part of it. It's no real surprise Iggy and I found each other. He didn't quite fit the punk scene either. I mean, sure, they were accepting of us, but we felt it. Misfits in a in a crowd of misfits. We were too dumb and caught up in it to see the dangers, the, the fucking sharp edges of the thing. Just a bunch of insecure kids playing with dynamite. Maggie? Didn't I just tell you two to leave me alone? Sorry, but, but the, the emos... emos... The emos what? Well, they seem a little drained. Susie and the fucking banshees! Do I have to do everything myself? No? Put on my morning jacket or something. Take some initiative. Can you two be in charge for 20 minutes while I do this? Just keep them sad and, and focused. They can go out and feed when this is done. Ah, <laughs> the beautiful inspiration of tragedy. Your wish is our command. Brain-dead idiots. Maybe they are actually zombies. Sorry for the interruption. Back to my story. So that was our lives. Just some dumb kids riding skateboards, playing music, eating shitty food in the parking lot of the corner quickie. Not a care in the world. We were the punks, the cool kids. Nothing existed outside of that. I didn't even know other music clicks existed until the night of the concert. Well, let me back up for a second. We lived in a small town, like couldn't find us on a map before Google Earth small. That meant real bands didn't come through. Ever. To see those guys, we had to pile into one of the older kids' shitty station wagons and road trip five hours in any direction to go to a big show. So when we heard Alkaline Trio was going to be playing a show in our town, we all lost our shit. Matt Skiba had a cousin that used to live here or something. It didn't matter, because finally they were coming to us. We spent the whole month leading up to the concert buying clothes and binging their entire discography. It's all anyone listened to or talked about. Zach's dad sold out of Alkaline Trio Records the first day we heard the news. We had to hike to Best Buy to get our fix, and I thought Zach and Iggy were going to puke walking into a chain store. <laughs> so anyway, the night of the concert, we got smashed in the parking lot of the corner quickie and walked over to the venue. It was in some abandoned warehouse on the outskirts of town, done up to look like a mausoleum or some shit. To be honest, I don't remember much from the actual show. I just remember there were a bunch of kids from out of town and we were smug as hell. Proud to be the locals for the first time in our lives. <laughs> the energy was different at that show than anything I'd ever felt. All of the out-of-towners brought a, a funk. It changed the atmosphere. When Alkaline Trio took the stage, they lit the fuse, and by about the third song, the entire place blew. It was like a powder keg. The whole crowd was caught up in the energy they were conducting. I was too naive to know it then, but we were fucking with some powerful magics that night. 
The mosh pit got a little more rough than I'm used to, and I went down, and I took an elbow to the face. Iggy picked me up real quick, but I was seeing stars. My vision swam. My nose was definitely broken. I never went down in a pit. It was like some outside force took me down. I still don't know if it was a coincidence or a fate somehow. Fuck if I know. But when I got back up, I felt different. Like I'd suddenly been ripped out of the scene by some unseen force. I felt overstimulated. I had to get out of there. I couldn't breathe. I had to shove my way through the crowd, and it felt violent. Like, everyone was fighting. A bunch of kids throwing their insecurities at each other, like dogs shaking water off their fur, trying to free themselves from some invisible chains for just a moment. It felt so... meaningless. When I got out of the bathroom after cleaning up the blood, I decided to hang back. I couldn't go back into that crowd. I watched from the back like one of those... One of those dads that begrudgingly brings this 13-year-old girl because he wants to seem cool but isn't ready to let go. That's where I met Robert. I'd seen him around town, but he was always skulking in the shadows. Pasty white and dressed in black with the other goth kids. Us punk kids didn't associate with gods. We were natural enemies. Punks loved music, got caught up in the energy of it. Goths were pretentious, acted like they were better than everyone. Above it all. Well, that's what I used to think, anyway. Robert approached me, offered me a cigarette. I was having a pretty shit night, so I said yes. He calmed me down a little after the collective letdown of the whole experience. That was supposed to be the best night of our lives, and here I was, bloody nose at the back of the concert with the goth kids. Apparently, they were into Alkaline Trio, even though they weren't sure for how much longer, because... Well, according to Robert, the punks were ruining the scene with their teen angst and shitty attitudes. They didn't get them the way the goth kids did. They killed the vibe or whatever. They didn't appreciate the dark beauty that was woven into their lyrics, the poetry of it. And Robert talked like that. It fascinated me. It was like he knew something no one else did, like, like he got music, like it was magic or something. Some spell being worked into rhythmic time in the air. I listened, and after a few minutes, the other goth kids had congregated around me like they were Robert's disciples, wanting to be a part of his latest sermon, hoping some of his wisdom would splash onto them. It felt pretty corny at first, but the more I listened, the more it made sense. It might have been the joint they were passing around, but it was like he was weaving a spell with his gothic wisdom. After a few minutes, I started hearing it, the, the melancholic beauty of the song being played on the stage, and I found myself getting angry watching those kids thrashing around at their feet like Pentecostal acolytes working themselves into a pious frenzy in the hopes they could achieve some deluded sense of higher understanding. <sighs> they didn't get it. All that anger, that violence was meaningless. They didn't understand what they were listening to. Robert would show me what real music was, how to tap into the magic written between the lines. He offered me another cigarette, and of course I took it. I spent the rest of the show in the back with the goth kids, taking it all in, building a low level of resentment towards the punk filth ruining the vibe, interrupting the flow of energy between the band and its audience. And that might have been it, too. Just one night of existential crisis, if it hadn't been for Iggy. After the show, he found me talking to Robert, and he completely lost his shit. 
Being out of it for most of the night, I, I saw what all of the pent-up punk rage did to him. It changed him. He was like a rabid dog let off his leash. He barely spoke. He walked up and just started swinging, yelling something about me being his girlfriend, like I was his fucking property. Robert didn't have time to react, and by the time I pulled Iggy off of him, he was bloodied, and I was pissed. I left Iggy there, drunk, sweaty, angry, and I walked home alone that night. But everything felt different, charged with meaning. The moon, the wind, the shadows. I didn't know what was happening to me. The world looked the same, but it was like someone had pulled back a curtain and I could see the mechanisms running the entire operation. The energies at work just under the surface. I was mad, mad at Robert for whispering his bullshit into my ear all night, and mad at Iggy and the punks for stifling me with their, their shallow punk pseudo-philosophy. I just wanted to sleep. And so I did. As soon as I got home, I passed out on the floor of my room, numb, still in my bloody and grimy clothes, with the last thing Robert said to me bouncing around my head like bad dissonance. Find me when you're ready. <laughs> it sounds like a goddamn fairy tale when I say it out loud, but that's how it happened. Goddamn gods, their melodramatic sentimentality were onto something, like it or not. Maggie? What the fuck do you want? Sorry, but... He's back. He? He who? Ziggy! Oh, and? He brought the security code. Oh, thank the good Robert fucking Smith. What do you want us to do now? Gather the emos. Let Ziggy walk them through the plan. He knows what to do. I'll finish here and I will join you later. The darkness will bring its warmth to us all. <laughs> Iggy, if you're listening, I want you to know that your brother is in good hands. <laughs> Being an emo really agrees with him. He's taken to it like an angsty fish to a dark, black water. You really never did appreciate him, did you? He told me himself one night during our late-night cry sessions. <laughs> but I digress. Where the fuck was I anyway? Oh yeah, that fucking concert! Needless to say, things devolved between me and Iggy pretty quickly after that. It was like Sid and Nancy, minus the hard drugs and domestic abuse. I started skipping garage shows, I just couldn't get into it anymore. I couldn't move past the... the shittiness of it all. The poorly tuned guitars, the off-key singing, the immature, even misogynistic lyrics. This... this wasn't escape. It was... Arrested development, fucking toxic masculinity disguised as artistic integrity. The afternoon it all ended. Iggy, he had recently been trying out that stupid stage name at that point. Well, Iggy and I were listening to records in his bedroom like we always did. I had been nursing a, a low-level anger all day over his choices, and the energy coming off the punk shit he was playing wasn't helping. It was all mindless, all stupid, just shooting down anything new or interesting I suggested. And then, then Attitude by The Misfits came on, and it was like I was hearing this song for the first time. How had I never noticed it before? What was this shit? 
It's just Danzig's domestic abuse fantasy disguised as raw artistic expression. And needless to say, I lost it. And Iggy, well, Iggy had the nerve to act surprised, like he didn't know what he was listening to. And he did this thing, this thing he always did, where he defended artists' shitty behavior. He said it was just a song and waited for me to agree with him and laugh it off like a good girlfriend. Well, not that time, I was done. I exploded, and all of that resentment, all of that anger came spilling out of me. If my friends thought bands like the Sex Pistols and the Ramones were deep, if they were willing to defend guys like Sid Vicious and Glenn Danzig for the sake of artistic integrity, then what did that say about them? No more! And the sad thing is, I think he was more hurt when I told him he had shit taste in music than when I told him I didn't love him anymore. <sighs> well, on my way home, I was so blinded with rage and the sting of my tears streaming down my face, I barely knew where I was going. I had just blown up my entire life over what? Music? It started to feel so stupid, so childish, but, but I couldn't go back. I knew deep down that I was right and I couldn't pretend anymore. Curtain had been pulled back. I was through the looking glass, and I'd seen the fucking wizard. And guess what, my punk pretties? He's goth! <laughs> you know, I still don't know how I got there, but when I looked up, I realized I'd been walking so long the sun had almost finished setting. It was getting dark, and I was standing in front of a giant gothic mansion. It must have been on the edge of town, because I'd never seen it before. It was some real Edgar Allan Poe, fall of the House of Usher shit. Something you'd remember seeing. When I'd gathered myself, I saw Robert, leaning against a crumbling pillar attached to a rotting, wrought iron gate with a cigarette. It looked almost comically like an album cover, too cool for reality somehow perfect. Everything that happened after felt like unreality. Robert took me inside and explained that the house belonged to his parents before the divorce, and then they got too wrapped up in their newly minted single lives to remember their only son was left alone to grow up in his dying childhood home. Everything he said sounded like that. Like he was some Dickensian misanthrope. But you couldn't help but believe him. He spoke with such conviction and intensity. I wanted to be like that. I guess that's why I followed him, and I didn't ask questions when he led me to a dark room in the house lit by candles. The other goths from the concert were there. There were pictures of goth bands scattered everywhere, from floor to ceiling, and pictures of you by The Cure was playing on an old Victrola. It felt a little on the nose, but they told me the original goth witches hid the secrets to their magic in their music. Well, I know my punk listeners may have trouble understanding this, because your music doesn't go any deeper than whining about your parents, the government, or whatever the fuck, but this was real magic. It was deep. The spells woven into goth music go so much deeper than the child's play that skips across your screaming anthems. As I was saying, we all gathered in a circle in the middle of the room, 
and Robert explained that the pictures would help them manifest the energies from the songs written by the goth witches before. And then Shadow Play by Joy Division came on, and they told me to dance with them, so I did. We danced like Ian Curtis, and apparently that dance wasn't some weird quirk. It was the way he cast spells. Wove the magic into his music. You just, you had to know what to look for. Everyone else just didn't get it. I don't remember much else. The air got thick. It felt heavy. The room got dark as we all danced to Joy Division, and then the Smiths, and by the time Susie and the Banshees came on, I felt more alive than I ever had. It felt like I could see reality in the darkness. Like my eyes had been closed my entire life. I felt like, like I was flying, dancing myself into a frenzy, and I never wanted to leave. And that's when I noticed the moon. We had danced well into the night, and I was tired and covered with sweat, but my body buzzed with energy. And that was when Robert passed a joint around, and we all just sat there and lost ourselves in the darkness and the flickering candles and the melancholic beauty of the music that filled the room encircling us, sweeping over us with its dark secrets. I woke up the next morning in my bed, and I wasn't sure if I had dreamt the night before until I looked at my wrist, and I found an onk symbol stick-and-poke tattooed there. When I went to my records, they had all been replaced with new ones. They were all goth bands. They had given me a new life. A new me. There was a note on my turntable from Robert. It said, you'll know your identity when you play your song. I didn't know what he meant at the time, but I did later. I tried to find the goths again, but I had no idea where that house was, and I couldn't seem to find it. Apparently, goths are hella loners and only interact with each other when absolutely necessary, like when there's a cure tour or a sale going on at Hot Topic. But other than that, they, they choose not to meddle in the lives of lesser humans. Well, I spent about a week alone in my room listening to my new music collection. It made me feel different than my punk music ever had. It felt tragic but beautiful. It felt deep, like, like I was connected to the world around me, but alone within my own wonderful dissonance. And that's when I found myself, just like Robert promised. And that is when I wrote my first song. I hope you're ready, you little punk shits. It's time for all of you to experience what I did that night. I want all of you to see the truth of your shallow, meaningless lives. You're the poison in this world, but I'm the cure. I will show you the error of your ways, so you can either come willingly, or I'll take you by force. Help me. Help me make the world a better place for everyone, not just these punk white supremacist asshats. I want you to listen to something. This is the song I wrote that night, the night I found myself and finally became Maggie Mayhem. This is the one I premiered at the Raging Dumpster Fire's Battle of the Bands. Oh, well, you remember. The one where the space cadets died trying to fight my emo zombies and burned down Iggy's entire record store in the process. <laughs> oh, well, the song's more potent live, but I figured it was time for its radio debut. I hope you enjoy my song, Great Expectations, and the disappointments that follow.
Great expectations and the disappointments that follow. If you're still here, welcome to the emo horde. Goth magic doesn't really work on other goths, but it seems to be especially effective on emos. You understand the dark truths of the world, but are still so hopeful and willing to act in the face of oblivion. You're in touch with your emotions, and you aren't afraid to show it. I do love that about you. <laughs> Are you telling the story of how we met? No, I was telling them about why I became a goth. Yeah, but like, we're part of the story. I was just getting to that. Ooh, can we tell it? Is everything ready for tonight? Vicky's on it. Fine, go ahead, tell it. So, Veronica and I were seeing kids at the time. And for those who don't know, scene kids are the wild cards. We're too cool for one scene, so we float to whoever is coolest in the moment. And we have the best hair. Totally, Jamie. Ladies, can you focus? Sorry, Sorry, Maggie. So basically, listeners, Jamie and I were in the front row of a space cadet show. We love them. Totally. 
Veronica and I thought Johnny was so hot. Mm. So we get there early to be front and center when the opener comes on. We normally don't care for the opening act. But when Maggie stepped on that stage, we couldn't take our eyes off of her. It was like she put a spell on me and Veronica. Watching her play that acoustic set was hypnotic. What was that song you played, Maggie? Now I'm Feeling Zombified by Alien Sex Fiend. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. After you sang, we had to meet you backstage for an autograph. And that, listeners, is when we asked Maggie to be her backup band. That's the best idea you've ever had, Jamie. Because Maggie Mayhem and the Bloodsuckers are going to change the world. Oh, speaking of, it's time. Really? Yes. Tell Ziggy and the emo horde to get ready. It's time we left the shadows and did a few live appearances. I'll wrap this up and be right there. You got it. it. So that's the story of how I formed Maggie Mayhem and the Bloodsuckers. That was the first time I realized how easy it was to turn punk kids with my magic. I think it's because I spent so much time with them. I just... I just get them in a way that other goths don't. It seems to make them more susceptible to my brand of goth magic. Anyway, where was I? Oh, right. I think about now is where Iggy would share his survival tips for emos. (laughs) Misguided bullshit. I have some survival tips for you, my emos. Avoid punks at all costs. They're ill-tempered and aggressive. They love to play concerts out of random garages, so be on the alert. Their music will warp your brain and overwhelm your faculties. The magic that they're conjuring is unstable, and it will make you aggressive and angry. If you hear shitty power chord progressions coming from a garage, run. They're usually gathered in groups, getting drunk and moshing, a word they made up so they could have an excuse to hit each other. If you don't look or act like them, they will find you and they will attack. You can easily recognize them by their horrible hair, usually in a mohawk or spiked. Their clothes are ripped from all of the fighting or moshing, and they wear vans, but most of them have never even touched a skateboard. Fucking posers. The easiest way, though, to spot a punk is if they're wearing Nazi memorabilia. They'll swear they're doing it ironically, but we all know the truth. They're just empty shells hiding their racist, misogynistic identities beneath shitty power cords and teenage angst. They've made it very clear they want nothing to do with us. It's us or them. So let's rally together and make sure it's them. Now it's time for the Emo Horde Bulletin, so listen up. This frequency belongs to me now, so we'll be broadcasting emo music night and day. Stay tuned for all your dissonant and dark musical disharmonies. With any luck, we'll catch some unsuspecting punks tuning in for Iggy's stupid little show, and we'll show them the light. It's time for all of us to stop hiding our emotions underneath petty anger and scream to the night sky, I'm not okay! And I promise you, we will make this world a better place. (laughs) Auditions for screamers will be held in my place because, well, let's face it, every band needs a screamer. 
If any of you emos out there want to meet the band, we are holding a special live appearance at my old friend Zach's electronics store. You know, I bet Zach wouldn't mind letting us hang out, maybe set up a rehearsal space and borrow some of his equipment. Sorry, punks, but you'll have to go elsewhere for your musical needs. I hear Guitar Center's having a sale on bargain bin instruments. It should be perfect for you. <laughs> Well, listeners, I hope to see you all tonight. That's it for now. This is Maggie Mayhem signing off. Remember to stay on track and goth as hell. Oh, and don't forget to come see us over at Zach's Electronics. Bye bye. <laughs>